Hey, what's up, Central family? Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, and in the midst of this crazy season, this global pandemic, isn't it nice to know that God's continuing to open new doors for the Central family? He's doing a new thing and a new season. And, and part of that new thing we're, we're so thankful for is, is people like you on the East Coast tuning in, in Virginia and, and in Florida. And we, we see you in the Midwest and Michigan and Missouri and Tennessee and down in Texas. Thanks for, for being with us today. And we, we see you uh, with us on the, the West Coast coast in Arizona and in Nevada and in, in Montana and the great state of, of, of California. We're so thankful for you guys that the, the central family is not just limited to the Bay now, but, but is literally spreading out all across the country and around the globe. And we're so grateful for you. And once you know, man, Tiffany and I are praying for you guys. Our staff, our elders pray for you diligently and, and just believe in God for some good things to come in this new season that we navigate together. Well, hey, this is week two of our series that we've entitled Running with the Giants and want to uh, just pull up our theme verse for this entire series. It's found in Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 1, and it, it says this, uh, therefore, and we, we talked last week about, about this word therefore. Anytime you see, see the word therefore, you got to figure out what it's there for. And the reality of Hebrews 12 is, is you got to read it in context of Hebrews 11, where we read about these, these giants of the faith, these heroes of the faith, these men and women who ran their race well. And, and heroes of the faith like Abraham and, and Deborah and, and Rahab and, and, and Isaac and, and Gideon and Samson and these heroes of the faith, they did great exploits for God in the midst of ambiguity, in the midst of not knowing how everything was going to play out. They trusted God without wavering. And now he's saying, hey, because they ran their race so well ahead of us, now it's your turn. It's your turn on the track to run your race well. And he says, says therefore, in light of that reality, since we're, we're surrounded by them, we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. It's this, this imagery like we're in the grandstand and, and you're on the track, you're running your race and there's the heroes of the faith cheering you on, telling you to be strong and courageous, to don't lose heart, maintain the course, run your weight race with, with perseverance. And since so we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, therefore we throw off everything that hinders and, and sin that can trip us up and easily in, entangle us and, and let us run with with perseverance. And man, that's a good word for us in this season. It's a good word for me. Let, let's persevere. Let's, let's not grow weary in doing good. Uh, run our race with perseverance, this, this race that's, that's marked out for us. And, and I don't know about you, but man, I'm excited for this new summer series that we're in as we explore some of the giants of the faith. We're going to learn from their mistakes. We're going to learn from their, their victories and, and learn how they did it. And kind of the big idea here is, is each week we're going to invite one of these heroes of the faith to step out of the grandstand and run on the track with us, run, run one lap. And, uh, and if they could run one lap with us, what might some of these heroes of the faith have to say to you, say to me, today in our race. And, and today we're inviting uh, Isaiah onto the track with us, this, this prophet named named Isaiah. And the Bible's broken down into to two sections, really, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Isaiah is this, this Old Testament prophet. He's probably one of the most well-known prophets in the, in the Bible. Uh, he, there's a book that, that Isaiah wrote. It's 66 chapters long. It's the, most, uh, it's the longest prophetic book in the Bible. Uh, Isaiah is, is a prophet. Another word for a prophet is a seer. Isaiah sees things that other people don't see. And so, so God talks to Isaiah and says, hey, here's my perspective. Now go tell the people what I see. And this is what he does. He's a, he's a seer. And because 
uh, of this, Isaiah actually saw Jesus's crucifixion 800 years prior to it happening. And he documents this. This is, this is historical data that we have. Isaiah saw it happen and spoke in great detail about what took place. And because of that, the New Testament authors, they often quote Isaiah. Isaiah is quoted in the New Testament 65 times. Isaiah is mentioned by name over 20 times in the New Testament. And these, these New Testament believers, these followers of Jesus, as they're trying to help their, their friends and their family members who are of Jewish descent uh, understand that Jesus is the Messiah, they would often point to to Isaiah and say, here, remember what Isaiah said? Now it's fulfilled in, in Jesus. And my hope today is that by the end of our, our time together, this seer, this prophet would help us to see our spiritual journey a little more clear, would help us to, to see how we can become unstuck in our relationship with God. And, and right out of the gate, just wanna share this word from Isaiah to you, to me today in Isaiah 30. Uh, verse 21. And it's this, this hope that, that whether you turn to the right or to the left, whether you've been following Jesus for a long time or for just, just a couple seconds, whether you've been, been in this race for, for, for many years or you're just uh, checking this thing out, but you're a follower of Jesus, and whether you turn to the right or the left, here's my hope that you're, you would hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Get clarity on, on where God's taken us, what, what, what he wants us to see, I, I believe not only is it true of Isaiah, but I believe it can be true of you, true of me, that we become people who see from God's perspective. And we speak to a world filled with questions. Here's what God sees. Now, now we say it. There's hope in the midst of this season. Here's Isaiah. If we want to understand what uh, Isaiah might say to us first, here's kind of the big idea. The first thing I think Isaiah would say to us as he steps onto the track and runs a lap with us, yeah, I think Isaiah would say this to you, an encounter with God it can change everything. An encounter with God, it changes, changes everything because this was Isaiah's experience. Isaiah, we're going to talk about this in just a moment. Isaiah has this encounter with God in chapter 6 of Isaiah, and it changed everything for him. But isn't that nice to know today that one encounter with God can change everything about your circumstance, everything about your situation. One encounter with God, fresh perspective. One encounter with God, fresh hope. One encounter with God, fresh promise in the midst of this season. An encounter with God, it can change, change everything. And here's what Isaiah's encounter with God teaches us. Here's the first principle we're going to learn from his encounter, that our greatest pain can be a catalyst for our greatest gain. Your greatest pain can serve as a catalyst for your greatest gain. That's not just cliche. That's not just jargon. Isaiah experienced this. Here's what we read in Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. It says, it says in the year King Uzziah died... Now that's an important statement, and, and we don't really get this on the surface, but, but King Uzziah was a great king. He was one of the best kings that this nation of Israel had ever seen. Uzziah came onto the scene at the age of 16 and took over this nation of Israel, and, and Isaiah was working alongside him throughout his reign. I don't know what you were doing at the age of 16. Your boy was working at McDonald's flipping burgers about that age of 16, but Uzziah's ruling a nation. And, and now I, I, the, the sad tragedy of that is that King Uzziah started off really well. 
He sought the Lord. He did what was pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. But over time, towards the end of his life, he got prideful. And he began to disregard some things that God had instituted. And as a result, he dies in isolation, in obscurity, a real shameful death with with leprosy and, and skin disease. And no doubt, before he dies, Isaiah was there praying for him, asking God for a miracle, trying to plead with Uzziah, turn back, turn back to God, get things, get things back in order. And, and now the hope of change is gone because it was in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, now, now the nation is in crisis. The nation of Israel doesn't know what's next. What, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go from here? There's so much unknown in our current reality. I, Isaiah had lost a, at least a, a confidant, at least a, a coworker, probably a friend. And now they're wondering what, what's going to happen. But it was in the, the midst of his greatest pain that Isaiah has this encounter that serves for his greatest gain. Because it was in the year King Uzziah died that, that Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. And he was high and exalted and he was seated on the, the throne and the train of his robe, it filled the temple. And above him were these angelic beings, these, these seraphim. And they, they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And just at the sound of their voice, the, at the sound of their voice, the post and the thresholds shook. Like this, this strong foundation was all, all jostled and the, the temple was filled with smoke. I mean, can you imagine this? In the midst of Isaiah's greatest pain, he has this fresh encounter with God, changes everything. And I would just implore you, some of you, I know you're in a painful season. I know things are not going as you anticipated. I know it's not easy. And I think what Isaiah would say is don't don't run away from God as we have a tendency to do. Don't try to numb the pain as we contend to do, but lean into that because God is trying to say something to you. He's trying to get your attention and use this season of great pain to be a catalyst for your greatest gain. C.S. Lewis the great author, he, he said this, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to arouse a deaf world. In this season, I, I would just invite you, look up. Well, what's God trying to say to you? Maybe it's God's way of using a megaphone to get our attention. If the season you're in is painful, know that it can serve as a catalyst to your, your greatest gain. I think that's, that's one of the first things Isaiah would say to us. Second thing I think Isaiah would say to us is that an encounter with God teaches us that, that whenever we, when we see God clearly, we're going to begin to see ourselves more clearly. When we see God as he is, we're going to see ourselves as we are. And here's what you need to know. Some of those deepest darkest spots in your life, in your soul, maybe that no one else knows about, God, God's going to be willing to go there. He, he wants you to see yourself clearly, and, and he wants to not just expose those spots, but bring healing, to bring hope, uh, to, to help you heal in that, in, that, in that process. So he's going to let you see him clearly, and, and in light of that, we're going to begin to see ourselves 
clearly, because here's what Isaiah sees in, uh, in Isaiah 5, 6. So he's seen God, like he's seen him fill the temple. He's, he, he's awesome. He's, he's seen the Lord Almighty. And as a response to that, he says, woe in me, woe, woe is, woe in me. Like I'm messed up. He says, he said, woe to me, I cried. I am, like I'm jacked up. I'm ruined for I am a man who's messed up. I got unclean lips and I live among a people who are, are messed up. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, when we see God clearly, we begin to see ourselves more clearly. It was 18 years ago, whenever I first started following Jesus, and there were three men in my life named Nehemiah, Eric, and Roosevelt. And uh, these were three men of color, and, and they invited me. It was probably like a small group at the time. I just didn't know it. I was new to church. We were just buddies. We would go work out the YMCA. Eric cut hair. And so I would go over there, and he would cut my hair once a week. I, I would just hang out, and man, I was, I was messed up. So I would go over there, and I would just throw up on them. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm trying to process. And then they would say, oh, here's, here's a verse you might consider. They, they'd pray for me. And, and I learned so much, not just about racial tensions, but about, about following God and being a man of integrity in the midst of life's ups and downs. And, and I, I realized that the conversation primarily focused on me. And then I was like, hey, what about, what about you guys? Like, how are you doing? And honestly, the response was like, I'm good, I'm good. You know, like, we're good, we're good, you good, yep, we're good, let's talk about Tim, yep, yep. And then over time, it was like, you know what, hey, yep, you can pray for me about this, this, this. Uh, Maybe I'm thinking about buying a car, maybe you can pray about that. But over time, they began to remove the mask. And those men shared things with me that would make a grown man blush on stage today. But but it taught me a lesson that no matter where you are, we are all imperfect people in progress. These men were, were worship leaders at the church I was at. They were Sunday school teachers. They were, were men that people looked up to, but yet they were battling deeply with some dark spots in their life. And, and here's what I love about that, is that they, they saw God clearly and they began to see themselves clearly. And they were being vulnerable and honest enough to say, I need some help in this area of my life. And I lost track of them through the, the years. And in preparing for this message, I thought, you know what, I should reach out to them. So uh, like a good pastor, I used my Facebook stalking stick skills and, and found them. And, uh, and I'm, I'm proud to report they're all in ministry. They're all, all serving God and doing, doing good. And I just told them, I shot them a message, said, you're not gonna believe this boys, but I'm a pastor. Like how crazy is that? And they're serving God. And I, I tell you what helped them stay in the game. I think this is key for you, key for me, if we're going to get unstuck in our journey, if we're going to learn to, to love God and stay in this race for the long haul. And that is, that is, let's be people who see God clearly and begin to see ourselves clearly. Let, let's be people who are honest and vulnerable with our mistakes, with our mess. Let's acknowledge we're imperfect people in progress. You don't have to be perfect. We serve a perfect God. That, that weight's not for you to carry and I'm so thankful for those guys that, that modeled vulnerability. And some of you might be asking, like, man, I'm stuck in my spiritual journey. I, I would just say, man, what, what's, what's the hidden thing in your life that maybe God's trying to put his finger on and maybe you just don't want to let go of? Isaiah would say, man, let's be honest. Let's see ourselves as we are so we can see him as he is. Uh, so, so Isaiah has taught us so far with our, our encounters with God that our greatest pain can be our catalyst for our greatest game, that we see God clearly, we'll see ourselves clearly. And the third thing Isaiah teaches us about a God encounter is that, that God removes our past to redeem our future. He, he removes our past so he can, he can make the most of our present 
situation. You might feel stuck in your spiritual journey today and perhaps it's because you're, you're busy looking over your shoulder, you're busy looking in, in the rear view and maybe something's happened years ago and, and man, it was tragic and man, you really did blow it. Let's just be honest. But, but, but we can't live back there. God wants to redeem your past so he can redeem your future. He wants to help you move past your past so you can be present right here, right now. There's a reason the rear view mirror is so small and the windshield is so, so big because your future is greater than your past, no matter how great the past has been. God's not worried about your past. It's been nailed to the cross. And listen, he's already settled your past. Now he wants to redeem your future. Isaiah 6 Verses six through eight. This is the same, same encounter that Isaiah is having with God. And he says, says then I saw one of the seraphim and he threw, flew to me with a, a live coal in hand, which was taken from the tongs of, of the altar. And the altar, you just need to know that's a place where sacrifice is. Uh, that's a place where, where bloodshed. And, and for us, that, that kind of represents the cross. And so it says, when he touched my lips, he said, see, I've touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And some of you just just need to hear this. Your guilt is taken away. Your sins have been atoned for. You can move past your past and be present in this moment because God has already removed the stain of your sin, the stain of, of your mistakes, the, the mistakes and the pain of, of yesterday. And, uh, and I just love that because God's in the redemption business. And then he says this, then, then I heard a voice saying, whom shall I send? Just, just a moment ago, Isaiah's beating himself up saying, I'm broken, I'm a messed up dude, woe, woe to me. And isn't it interesting while Isaiah sees himself as that, God says, no, I see a candidate. I see a champion standing in front of me. Whom shall I send? Isaiah, is it you? And I love that about God. He's not, he's not gonna force himself on you. He's not gonna make you, he's not gonna take your tongue and like make you tell your neighbor about God's radical grace and rescuing power. He's not gonna take your hands and make you, make you go serve. He's, he's, not gonna, he's not gonna force you to do anything. He just asks you a question today. Whom shall I send? Who, who's gonna be my representative? Who's gonna, who's gonna go for me? And Isaiah, I love this. He says, well, well God, like if, you're, if you can use anyone, here I am, send me. And my hope for you, my hope for everyone watching this is that we would respond with the same response. God, if you can use anyone, I'm willing. Here I am, send me. Isaiah's encounter with God in chapter six has taught us that our greatest pain can serve as a catalyst for our greatest gain. That when we see God clearly, we're gonna see ourselves clearly. God removes our past to redeem our future. And as we, we turn the corner on this track and we're in the home stretch with Isaiah, uh, I think he would share three words of encouragement with us that I want to share with you as we close out our time to let these, let these sink in. Here's the first thing I think he would say. God wants to reveal himself to you. God wants to reveal himself to you. Maybe you've been following Jesus for 10 decades. Maybe you've been following the Lord for 10 seconds. Wherever you are, he wants to reveal himself to you. Listen, there's more. There's more. There's more to God. Hey, check out this verse in, in Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord. Listen, staff here in the room, seek the Lord. Volunteers, seek the Lord. Elders, seek the Lord. Theologians, seek the Lord. All you skeptics, seek the, seek the Lord. 
Seek, seek the Lord. There's more. There's more. I got, a, I got a, a bachelor's and a master's degree in religious study. And it's just taught me there's a whole lot I don't know. Listen, let, let's seek the Lord. There's more. There's more to discover. There's more to learn. There's more to experience. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Listen, he wants to reveal himself to you, but we have a part to play in this process. We need to seek. We need to call. We need to lean in. God, we need you more than ever before. God, would you help us encounter you in a fresh way? Reminds me of this, this man and, and his girl. And they used to uh, go, go cruising in the summertime in a, in a big boy truck, kind of like Jeremiah Regan's truck. And, and they would go cruising down the road. And, and this man would have his arm around his lady as they, they just cruised along, blasting that country music and living the dream. And then over time, they realized that that the man began to drive like this with his arm out the window and the wife was on the other side with, with her arm out the window. And in a moment of reflection and contemplation, the wife says, hey, you know what, babe? I, I just remember when you used to drive with your, your arm around me and it was so close and, and we, we just felt so intimate in those moments. And the man simply says, you know what, babe? I've never moved, I've never moved. And you know what, I think that's a lot like our relationship with God. Some of us, we reflect and remember when it was close. We remember those moments of intimacy. But the reality is we need to seek. We need to call. Maybe we've slid over on the bench and God's just inviting you, slide back. There's more. There's more that he wants to reveal to you. God wants to be a God who's, who's close, have a personal relationship with you. You can encounter him on a daily basis. An encounter with God's not a one-time event. It's a daily interaction, a daily Relationship. I love this verse in Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that just leads to our action item for this point. Here it is. Go all in with God. You just go all in. You go all in with God. Don't hold back. Maybe you've been following Jesus for, for 50 years. Go all in. Maybe you're just tuning in. You're skeptical. I just invite you, go all in. And you say, well, what does that look like? How do I go all in with God? It's where you come to this place in your life where you say, God, my life's yours. My future's yours. God, my hopes, my dreams, my failures, my shortcomings. God, my family, my finances, my kids, my career. God, it's yours. And whatever your word has to say about these areas of my life, God, I'm going to do it. Whatever, you're, whatever the Bible says about my finances, God, I'm gonna apply it. Whatever the, the Bible says about being a good husband, God, I'm gonna be that man. Whatever the Bible says about being a good dad, I'm gonna be that father. Whatever the Bible says about, about loving my community and serving people well, I'm gonna be that, I'm gonna be that dude. I'm gonna go all in, because God, my life is yours. Whatever you have for me, God, I, I want, I'm seeking you, I'm calling on you, and I know you wanna reveal yourself to me. That leads us to our, our second statement that Isaiah would say as we're, we're in this home stretch, and that's God wants to change you. He wants to change you. He, he loves you just where you are, but you need to know something about God. He loves you too much to leave you that way. He loves me too much to leave me the way I am right now. He's changing me, and I just need to be pliable, need to be moldable, need to be, be able to say, God, whatever you have, I, I'm willing to give it to you. God wants to, he wants to change you. He wants to bring, bring healing to those hurts in your life and in my life. Isaiah 1, first chapter of Isaiah, right out of the gate. Come now, let's reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be 
white as snow. Let's talk about change. Bright red, white as snow. There's change happening. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Listen, that can take place in a moment. You put your hope, you put your faith in Jesus, all your sins, all your mistakes, though they are as, as red as scarlet, they could be nailed to the cross and you can stand before God white as snow, pure as the son of God. But here's the deal, that can happen in a moment, but life change is a process. So it says, says, if you're willing and obedient, you gotta, God, here I am, whatever you, I'm willing and I'm gonna be, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. Like God's got good things for you. We gotta be willing and obedient to do it. Listen, God can't change, can't bring change while we hold to comfort. God cannot bring change into your life while you're clinging to comfort. Here's what I know to be true. Man, you can, you can have growth and change or you, you can have comfort and atrophy, but you can't have both. You can have growth that le- requires change or you can have comfort that leads to atrophy, but you can only pick one. Choose wisely, church. I'm just saying we gotta be willing and obedient, willing to change because God wants to change us. Let's cling to Christ not to comfort. Here's another statement that I believe to be true. God will disrupt our comfort to confront our dysfunction. God will confront my comfort to expose my dysfunction. And let me just lean in for a moment here. Central family, this is a moment, this is a season of discomfort. I get it, I know it. And my question to you is what area of dysfunction is God revealing in your life? In the midst of this discomfort, Where's the dysfunction? Is it it in your communication with your spouse? Is it in that anger issue that keeps rising every time the kids do that one thing? Uh, Where's the dysfunction in your life? Because God is, let God use this season of discomfort to expose some dysfunction. Not not so he can bat it around, not to make you feel like like, like you're the scum of the earth, so, so he can change you. He wants to help you, he wants to bring healing. God will allow seasons of discomfort to expose our dysfunction. And here's what you need to do. Here's the action item. Take a next step. Whatever that is, whatever he's revealing, acknowledge it, get better at it, take a next step. Maybe you, you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus. That would be your best next step. Go on with God and get God on, you know, team up with him, have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you to help you navigate some of these challenging times. Go all in with God, surrender your life to him. Maybe you've already surrendered your life to Jesus, but you haven't been baptized. That's your best next step. Go public with your faith and get baptized. Faith was never intended to be private. That is a lie. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. Like, like you're the hope of the world. Don't, 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 don't hide it. Be public with it. Listen, I, I wear this ring to show, to show the world that I've I, I, gone public with Tiphilicious, my beautiful bride. I'm married. I'm public with this relationship. Listen, o- only relationships that are, are, are hidden are dysfunctional. Like, like if you're trying to hide a relationship, that's probably a relationship that you, you need to cut. But, but God invites you to have a healthy relationship with him and go public with that relationship. And the way you go public is by getting baptized. 27 times in the New Testament, we see this pattern. Someone surrenders their life to Jesus. They go all in with him. Next step is they get baptized. 27 times we see that 
happening. I'm just saying in the midst of this global pandemic, it would be my honor to help you go public with your face. I'll I'll, I'll wear a scuba mask. I'll I'll cover my face. I'll wear a wetsuit. Whatever would make you feel comfortable to take that next step. I'm just saying, take your best next step. And for many of you, listen, there's been people every week that that have started following Jesus since we've been on this online experience. There's, There's close to 40 of you that I know of then this is your best next step. Go public with your faith and get baptized. If you've done all that, man, join a group, get involved in a community. Some of you, man, you know so much, you, you, don't, you, you don't even know how much you know. Your best next step is start leading a group. God's filled up your cups, so you can pour it back out. Take a next step, take a next step. Here's the third thing that Isaiah would say to us as we're in this, this home stretch. Here's the final statement he would make to us, and that is God has an assignment for you. God has good things for you. He's got plans and purposes for your life. Isaiah 60, one through three reads this, arise and shine. I just wanna pause there and say, Central Christian Church, arise, shine. Staff, arise, shine. Those of you on the, the East Coast, arise and shine. Midwest, arise, shine. West Coast, let's arise and shine for your light has come uh, and the glory of the Lord has, has rises upon you. It's on you. See, the, the darkness covers the earth and thick darkness covers over the people, but the Lord rises on you and his glory appears over, over you. L- listen, church family, like, like we get it. Like you don't have to watch the news for very long to realize there's, there's some darkness that's covering our earth. But here's what I need you to hear. You are the light of the world. It rises on you. Nations, people, friends, family, neighbors, coworkers. As you, as you embrace this purpose, as you embrace your mission from God, that man, the, the, the light of the Lord shone on me so I can help some people in darkness and I'm gonna focus on my one friend. I'm gonna pray for him. I'm gonna invite him. I'm gonna engage with them. And I've just been so encouraged to, to see the central family taking this, this biblical mandate seriously in this season as you're helping people find and follow Jesus in your circle of influence. It starts with one person. But the way you get to nations is, is, is one. You say, who's the one person in your life? Nations will come to your light. Who's your one that's coming to your light? And kings of the earth to the brightness of your dawn. I'm just saying, arise, shine. Tell people about the hope that we have. I mean, if the world's so dark, what if you, what if I, we arise, we shine. This week, let's share hope, the the hope that we have, the radical grace of Jesus that's rescued you, rescued me. What if we told someone, just one person about that this week? We'd shine. And that's what, what Isaiah's saying. You have a purpose. You have an assignment. It's to represent him well. It reminds me of our, a section of our reading plan, uh, church-wide reading plan last week in Matthew uh, 5, 13. It says this, you, it's you. You are the salt of the earth, but, but what good is the salt if it loses its flavor? Uh, you, you can't be made salty again. Uh, you'll be thrown out, trampled. It, it'll be worthless. But, but he says this in the next verse, it's, it's you, you, arise, shine. You are the light of the world. You know, you don't, you don't turn on the lights and like cover them with trash bags. And he's saying, don't, don't do that either because you're the light of the world. 
And I, I just love this. It says, it says, in the same way, let your light shine before other people so they can see your good deeds and, and praise your Father in heaven. I get it. It's easy for us to point outside and say, look how broken, look how messed up. But you are the light. If the world's dark, maybe I'm not shining bright enough. If the world's so dark and so broken, maybe we need to add a little flavor. Maybe we need to shine a little brighter so that people can say, you know what? I see Jesus and he is the hope of, of the world. Let your light shine. I love this quote from John Piper. He says, we do not smirk at the misery or merrymaking of immoral culture. We weep. Being pilgrims does not mean being cynical. The salt of the earth does not mock rotting meat. Where it can, it saves and seasons. And where it cannot, it weeps. Isaiah was saying over 800 years before Jesus stepped onto the scene, you are the light of the world. In the midst of a, a dark season, in the midst of a, a dark spot, in the midst of, of dark places, you shine. Shine bright. And here's the action. Discover my purpose. I need to discover my purpose. And, and here's what I believe to be true for many of us. We know our purpose. We just need to live our purpose. Let's live on purpose. Let's set aside all the junk. Let's focus on what's, what's bigger. You, your, your purpose is greater than your greatest pain. I believe that. You have purpose that supersedes it all. God wants to reveal more of himself to you. Go all in. Don't hold back. God wants to change you. Let him go there. Take a next step. God has an assignment for you. Discover your purpose. Live on purpose. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this church, this family of believers that, that reaches all the way east coast, west coast, and around the globe. I thank you for every one of them, God. I thank you, Jesus, that an encounter with you, it changes everything. So God, I pray that you would give us a fresh encounter with you, even right here, right now. May this be the defining moment that changes everything. We get your perspective. We get your hope. You fill us with fresh passion for our purpose to go live it out in a powerful way. God, we just thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.